Okay, I'm Chris Avena with American Outdoor News, and today we're here with my friend John Stallone from Howl for Wildlife. John, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. Now, you've been at this for, for a little while now. Can you tell us how you developed and and put together Howl for Wildlife? It was not a an easy undertaking. Uh, no, it wasn't. Um, me, personally, I've... I guess I officially started like advocating sometime in 2016, I think. Um, I started trying to put together a uh, an initiative which goes hand in hand with what I'm, some of the stuff we're going to talk about today, uh, where I wanted hunters to be better to hunters. You know, we're always fighting, infighting about, you know, <laughs> the bow hunters and the rifle hunters, the Matthew shooters and the Hoyt shooters and the, 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 the crossbow stuff. and what yeah, all the dumb stuff that we fight about. We're all worst enemies. Yeah. Who wears Sika? Who wears Kuyu? Who's a real tree? You know, all this dumb crap that we waste time and energy on that doesn't have any real effect on on what we do. Um, you know, that that's kind of what sparked my initial interest and then i started looking into more and more what was going on um you know the last 50 years that how the narrative's been spelled out by the by the uh, anti-hunters and the and the perception the public perception of what a hunter is um that you know kind of got me involved and then uh one of my best friends and uh, my number one hunting partner, Charles Whitwam. Him and I were just, you know, spitballing back and forth. And um, an initiative came up in California and uh, to prevent, or not to prevent, but to uh, end bear hunting. And um, I suggested using the... Uh, the platform uh, change.org and we pushed it out to all our friends. We knew a lot of people, you know, me being in the industry and so on and so forth. And it, it just steamrolled and, and it sparked an idea. And then Charles expanded on that. He kind of was the brainchild behind a lot of the way the inner workings of the, of the, of our website and our system works. And, you know, here we are a couple of years later and, you know, we've, uh, we've had tremendous success and uh it's been it's been a it's been a crazy ride um, so it takes it takes time to to form a non profit yep uh, get your name out there the marketing and your website alone is really spectacular it's really unique because people can go there with an issue in their area and actually send a, a preform letter on that very topic to their local representatives Right. Um, and you said something specific, and I'm going to circle back to that, but I'm, I'm just going to answer how the website works uh, again. It's it's a um, it's a tool. The website is a tool that connects sportsmen, outdoorsmen. I don't even like to use sportsmen as I'll use those interchangeably, but mm -hmm. uh, I don't want hunting and fishing to be viewed as a sport. So outdoorsmen. Um, to the decision makers of any policy that affects wildlife management or um, 
or affects the ability to hunt and fish directly. Mm-hmm. So, but you said something that is very um, unique to the mindset of what how people operate, especially the outdoorsman group, um, and that is going to get involved in something that is near and dear to them as opposed to looking at hunting and fishing as a as a whole and say we're all in this together and that it's important that i get involved in everything even if i don't do that thing sure so you know there's there's been this like blind epidemic of wokenness in this country um, and those that are willing to subscribe to it are, you know, they're willing to uh, cut off their noses to spite their face. And that's extremely evident in uh, the anti-hunting organizations um, and, and issues that concern wildlife management. So, you know, we're, we're willing to, to do things to, I'm going to give you a really stupid example. And this is not something we were involved in, but there was a big push here in Arizona where I live to save aspen trees in a certain unit. And one of the bright ideas to do that was to put a bunch of tags for elk in that unit so because elk like to feed on young aspen and they do damage so instead of you know so let's let's kill off the elk to save the aspen is that that cut off my nose to spite my face thing it's like why don't they just of, yeah why, why don't, don't you, they just plant more aspen or build exclude you know uh exclusion areas which they've done you know in some places um you know you put up a fence it stops the them from going into these new groves and whatever okay and then you take the fence down yes it's all it's, it's all about money it's all about whatever and i you know, i'm not gonna i have i have enough knowledge to know what, what goes into wildlife management but i'm not going to sit here and uh and give my uh opinion because i've been out of that for quite some time um and, uh, I, you know, I don't want to, I, I know there's people that know better than me, so I'm not, I'm not going to get into that, but, you know, um, going back to what I was saying earlier, so there's been this, you know, years of, of my phone keeps going off. I apologize. It's driving me nuts. It's, it's cutting off my, uh, my ability to speak here. I'm going to put this over here. So I don't have to hear, hear that buzzing. Um, there's been years of the anti-hunting uh, complex, I'm going to call it, that they've been, you know, pumping out narratives and propaganda and lies to sway the minds of the middle ground, the non-hunting public. And, um, you know, it's been going on for decades. You look at movies, you look at anything the hunter is always the anti-hero or he's always creepy. We're the bad uh, guys. I say, I say he, but he, she, um, there's 
very, 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 very few examples of Hunter being the hero or the good guy in any in anything uh, in the last like 50 years or so. Um, you know, we're always bloodthirsty. Uh, you know, always the the Elmer Fudd, the the it's just like you said, the bad guy. So, you know, that was a long game that they were playing. We relied on the fact that we were always, you know, doing good for actual conservation. Our money was going back to putting animals on the on the mountain, in the woods, and. Um, you know, we relied on that. We also relied heavily on the fact that if you look at hunting and fishing as an industry, it's ginormous. And like the reality is it is if it went away today, uh, much like other industries that are, you know, highly connected into the world, um, it would cripple. It would definitely cripple the United States. What's it? Ninety billion dollars? It's a. It's. I don't even know what the. It, it, I think it's up over a hundred million dollars that we contribute into the economy at this point. Yeah, that's yeah. billions. That's a lot of money. Yeah, and and there's so many other things too that like, and I've said this many times before. Uh, I use this example. There's so many other like things that are not counted in that that are actually directly related to that. So sure. like I, me personally, I can't use myself as an example because I'm a contractor by trade. Um, so I probably still have a pickup truck, but how many guys would not own a four wheel drive pickup truck or a side by side or something if they weren't doing hunting and fishing, you know? Sure. Sure. But then, you know, you go on a trip, you're paying for lodging. You're going to the local gas station. You're stopping at the local grocery store. You're stopping at the pizza place. You're contributing to the local economies across the country. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that's that's one of the, you know, the, one of the main reasons why we've been able to survive. But as you know, as most people are witnessing in today's day age, uh, logic is getting thrown out, out the door. So even, even stuff like that is not being <laughs> looked at. <laughs> true, true. So, um, you know, ideological, uh, ideologic, oh, my God, I can't say the word. Ideologically. Yeah. <laughs> is, uh, you know, people are, are, are uh, or ideology, not ideologically, ideology is is more important today than logic so yeah uh, a lot of the logical things are are being um you know overshadowed and not not being followed and i don't want to get into a big political thing because i mean there's unfortunately there is politics in what we're talking about but um the main the main goal out there is for us as as a group to start changing or undoing the narrative that was put in place by the anti-hunters. We want people to understand all the good things that are associated with hunting and fishing. 
um, not just conservation work, not just the money that's generated, but the human side of it, um, the intrinsic values, the the reason why you and I do this. We don't do this because we're like, oh, I'm doing this because I'm saving deer. We're doing this because it's part of our heritage. It's the meat that we enjoy. It's it's the camaraderie. You know, it's this. You know, there's all these. Like, see, see, here's the thing, John. The left has a unified narrative, and they stick to it by the numbers. We are all over the map. Yeah. We're doing it because of this. We're doing it because of that. We don't have a unified narrative, a unified answer of why we do things. We work purely on emotion. I do it to fill my freezer. I do it because I enjoy the meat. I enjoy cooking it. I enjoy wild game. I enjoy waking up and going out into the woods and watching the woods come alive. Whatever it is, it's all the same thing. We just need to put together that narrative that acts as one voice. Yes, absolutely. Um, and again, I don't like to make it left and right because there are a lot of outdoorsmen that are uh, are democratic. You know? Yeah, and there's something fundamentally wrong with that. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe I don't know because I I just don't think I think now when people say Democrat, you automatically think of way over here, you know, you don't, if you think back, come on, when we were kids. And the, the Democrats of it, it 20 years ago, no. not the Democrats today, it's they would not. be considered conservatives. Exactly. Exactly. The, the progressives. Yes. Of what you we're know. talking about here. Yeah, exactly. And so that's why I don't like to make it about left and right thing, uh, because there's so many people that. You know, regardless of how they vote, um, you know, are still have a lot of share a lot of the same views that we do. And mm -hmm. that's and I say we meaning, you know, you and I in this podcast. But um, anyway, I just I want I want to go back to because I feel like I don't I don't want to take us down that road. But if we look at look at history we've done a piss poor job of educating non-hunters on the reality and the foundations of the North American model of conservation. Um, non-hunters don't know that the reason that they can take a walk on public land or see herds of elk and deer because of the efforts mm -hmm. of hunters and angles, anglers, they don't know that wildlife management funding for habitat comes from funds generated from Pittman Robertson donations to conservation groups, license and tag sales. They don't know this stuff. Um, they would rather, the, the other side would rather you believe that hunters and anglers only take and that we hate wildlife and that because of us, there's going to be no more wildlife uh, for, for everybody else to enjoy. Uh, and you and I know that couldn't be further from the truth, but the fact of the matter is the middle ground doesn't understand that. Hell, half the hunters I talk to don't really understand the model of conservation. They don't understand that it's a, a user pay system. They don't really know that, you know, uh, we're all interconnected. 
that the the deer hunter in New York is the same as the you know bear hunter in Arizona. Like they don't understand this. Um, you know, part of the problem is is that hunters and anglers we typically keep t- to ourselves. We had the mindset of you don't impose your life choices on me, and I won't impose my life choices on you. And this is a great way to live. However, it, it's this mindset that has taken us out of the fight uh, when it comes to matters that affect wildlife management and, or that infringe on our ability to hunt and fish. Uh, most hunters don't know that, you, you know, they cannot, not only can they, but they should get involved in issues that would put these, you know, anything that would put these things in jeopardy. Uh, you know, I hear the argument all the time. Uh, oh, I don't hunt that, or I don't hunt there, or so why it, should, it, why it should I? Why it should don't I? matter. Yeah. Um, it, it, actually, it might be a great example. Okay. okay. I actually just wrote this out, so I'm going to, I'm actually going to, I wrote this out, uh, I was writing an article, so I'm going to pull this up real quick. Um, okay. Actually, I'm going to try to do it without reading it, because I know all that. I know all that. It's going to sound funny if I read it. So let's put it. This is a good example. And again, let me preface this example with the only reason why hunting and fishing exist is because of the money we generate and the voice that gives us at the conservation table. It's a user pay system. Okay. So let's let's say they're trying to ban. Okay, I'll use the example that I used before. They're trying to ban bear hunting in California. And you're a deer hunter from New York, okay? And so why should you care about what happens in California on a species you don't hunt? You only hunt deer. You don't even hunt bear in your own state, okay? You're a diehard deer hunter, whitetail hunter. You don't even hunt muleys, okay? You're a diehard whitetail hunter and and – they're going after bear in California. Well, let's just say the anti-hunters succeed and California loses bear hunting. Okay. Just like you who only hunts deer in New York, there's a percentage of hunters in California that only hunt bear. That's their thing. Your thing is this, their thing is that. Yes, mind you, it's probably a lot smaller, Mm -hmm. but that's their thing. Now they have taken away what is what they're passionate about, um, and we've lost that portion of a voice at the table. Okay. Those same bear hunters we lost are no longer buying licenses, which has a reduced has reduced the funding, mm-hmm. which again has further shrank your voice. Okay. All the other hunters that would buy a bear tag that are not, you know diehard just bear hunters but they would just buy a bear tag again there goes that funding again re- makes your voice smaller and your seat at the seat at the table smaller now they lose if they lose bear hunting in california this sets a precedence for them to come after bear hunting in new york right? sure so keep this in mind that the anti-hunters their ultimate goal is to end all hunting, and they're going to systematically attack every little – they're going to chip away. It's, a, it's a, a war of attrition, okay, until they reach their goal. Yep. 
So let's look at it this way too. Bears are a large factor in predation on deer in California. Uh, more bears means less deer. Less deer means less tags. Less tags means less funding. And now you have a smaller voice again. Okay. Yep. So think about it this way. Maybe that bear hunter in California only owned guns or bought sporting, uh, sporting equipment because they bear hunted. Now that they don't do that, they don't need to go buy ammo and guns and so on and so forth. So they're no longer federally contributing to Pittman-Robertson. Right. Pittman-Robertson is distributed throughout all the states. So now there's actually less funding to be distributed to New York. Am I connecting the dots enough? Do you understand where how like how there's a ripple effect when this happens here? There's, happens there? I, I, there's always a ripple effect, and for every action, there's a reaction. Yeah. Um, so if we don't act together, sooner or later, those rights are going to be gone, and that's the that's their long game. Yeah, absolutely, and that that's and. They want the reason why they attack predators. One, it's the low-hanging fruit. It's it's easier if you look at the polls. Seventy-five percent of the non-hunting public, or actually seventy-five percent of the United States, is on board with hunting for meat. Mm-hmm. As soon as you take away deer and elk, and you say, we're going to be hunting bear and lions, that approval rating goes down from 75% to like the teens. Well, bear isn't commonly known as uh, being hunted for the meat. Exactly. But bear meat is delicious. It is. Absolutely. Actually, most people prefer it over deer. It's true. If you put it side by side and did a blind taste test, you you would probably prefer bear meat over deer. Well, if you look at same with lion. Lion's very pork like. It's excellent. Yeah. I mean, if you look at uh, the anti hunters, what is the poster child for anti hunting? The wolf. Oh yeah. The wolf is the poster child for the anti hunters, and the truth of the matter is, the wolf. Is a killing machine. Oh yeah, it's the biggest hunter out there, yep. and if they're not controlled, they will completely destroy an ecosystem. Well, you're 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 starting to make my what my point was going to be. So, their goal, it, not only like I said that the predator is a or megafauna like that is a low hanging fruit because it has less approval rating. It's easier to get. You know, if they just came in and tried to knock down deer, they are trying to, by proxy, take you out of the equation. Their mm-hmm. goal is we want bears and lions and wolves to regulate prey so that hunters are not needed to take away the surplus. And they're, they're being, you know, the whole conservation model and so on and so forth collapses. So they know that if bear hunting goes away or lion hunting goes away, there's going to be, like I said earlier, there's going to be less tags available for hunters to remove the surplus. And they're they're hoping 
that it gets to a point that we're no longer needed as a tool for management. Mm-hmm. So that is that that main argument that we have is taken out of the equation. Well, if uh, you look at looking at it that way, and again going back to the wolf that they already took off the table, there's no wolf out there. Mm-hmm. Look at the reintroduction into Yellowstone National Park. They put in X amount of wolves who have produced puppies and puppies and grown their uh, their packs. And you look at the result of the elk herds and the deer herds in Yellowstone National Park. They're decimated. Yeah. So, yeah, even though there's no hunting in those parks for us. Yeah, there's there's definitely a, a profound effect from from large predators. And if you want to, uh, Dr. Valerius Geist, um, who's no longer with us, he had some amazing data and studies done and spoke a lot about predator pits. Predator pits is a lot of what results when you don't have management of um, of these apex predators. Um, and there's tons of data in, in, in uh, I believe, in the Yukon and, and BC and and areas like this where um, they basic, basically become like deserted. There's, it's hard just to find animals in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- that is something if you want to educate yourself. I have read it. Um, I haven't digested the uh, data enough to be able to speak to it. Um, proficiently so i am going to leave that on you if it's something you guys want to look into look up dr valerius vice and look up uh geist excuse me and uh and look up predator pits that's huge but i will i will say this if there the idea that if you left wildlife alone it would take care of itself is this is from my my own personal experience and from my uh, my education background? Excuse me. Um, it's it's not possible today. The idea that that is possible might have worked when there was a few million people on the world in the world, or less than a billion people. We're, we're pretty close to 8 billion people. And as a species, we consume everything. Everything we do is consumption. We buy new phones every other year. We, you know, computers, this, that. We have roadways everywhere. We're constantly developing. We're taking up habitat. We're expanding. So our fingerprint is on everything, everything we touch. There's no way that the that mother nature okay we'll call it mother nature can regulate what goes on with with its own with with just prey and uh, and predators because 
We affect everything. We're involved in it. And then the, the, the other idea is, yes, we live in cities. We live in, you know, in civilization. But we're not aliens to this planet. We're not, you know, uh, separate. We're part of nature. We're actually animals, right? <laughs> we're mammals. Sure. Right? Just because in the last, you know, couple hundred years or whatever, we learned we learned how to live in houses and whatever, that that doesn't take us away. We're part of nature. We're part of the cycle. Uh, but we're also the part that has the most intellectual brain, at least that we know of anyway. And it's on us as humans to be, you know, the one that manages everything. We want to keep things around. We want to, that's why it's called conservation. We want to sure. conserve with and use and conserve and would still have for perpetuity the resources. We don't, you know, that's another big thing. Like they're stealing that word conservation. They are, they are preservationists, which is very different than conservationists. Yeah. You know, conservationists are act, have an active role in the life cycle of other beings okay preservationists are like bird watchers that watch from afar they don't have any interaction they're not part of the system but we are they're restrictive preservationists yeah so uh, you know and there's been there's there's plenty of science like actual science not social science that's the other thing that we see often from the other side is that they're pushing the social sciences you know um, actual science, data-based science, shows us the right things to do. Do we get it wrong sometimes? Yeah, we get it wrong sometimes. We're not perfect. But the track record has shown that if you follow the science, you're going to get the results. And everything I, – I believe that anti-hunting – is anti wildlife. That's a, that's one of the one of the things that we preach at Howl for Wildlife is that if they were to succeed, there's a very good chance that their goal will end wildlife. Mm -hmm. You might have this predator pit. You might have a lion population problem, and and it take out all the deer, and now now they're dying off because they have nothing to eat, and you know. There's, I don't know, there's just so many um, avenues of their thought process that is, is incorrect. Well, know? we have pumped billions of dollars back into conservation. It's uh, the Pittman-Robinson is a, a self-imposed tax. Out of all the contributions and money that PETA has raised, how much money of that has actually gone into the conservation? Zero. Exactly. They raise money, and it goes towards hate campaigns. How to convince people why, where are the bad guys? Most of their money is, is set aside for litigating for uh educating the non-hunting public 
on their agenda and their views. Exactly. So they exactly. Finds their pockets. And pays their exorbitant salaries. Exactly. <laughs> now, you are going to be at a show coming up in – where is that? Yeah, so uh, one of the big Western shows here is uh, the Mule Deer Foundation Hunt Expo in Utah in Salt Lake City in February. Um, it's the 15th, I believe, through the 18th. Um, and we will be there. Uh, we possibly may be at the um, National Wild Turkey Federation. Uh, it's at the exact same time. We uh, we just got a hunt donated uh, in with the sheep show in Reno. Okay. It's for the Hill Ranch. Uh, it's a famous elk hunting ranch, like um, – those hunts go for hundreds of thousands of dollars and we've gotten that with, with taxidermy guide and all that stuff put in that for we're we're working closely with uh, CRWM, which is Coloradoans for responsible wildlife management. And um, they're the boots on the ground uh, spearhead for right now in Colorado is being faced with, um, a lion, a possible lion and bobcat and lynx band, which nobody hunts lynx because they're federally protected anyway, but it's in there. Um, the anti-hunters have put together a petition to get this on the ballot, which is what they did for the wolves. And when people weren't paying attention, they got this to be on the ballot. They have the money in place. They have something like $1 million a week budget that they can pump propaganda into, you know, Boulder and Denver and, you know, these areas that are most uh, densely populated with um, possible sympathetic supporters. Mm -hmm. So they have, like I said, a million. They, they have this, like, I think it's a political action committee. I can't remember exactly, but they have money set aside that anytime something pops up in, in these areas, they're set to go. We, as hunters, we don't have that. Mm -hmm. We put money, we give money to, you know, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Sheep Foundation, we, Mule Deer Foundation. We give money to, and that money goes to conservation efforts. It goes to putting animals, and that's all necessary, great stuff. But we don't have anything um, that builds a war chest for us. That's actually one of the things that we're working on is we're working, Halfway Wildlife is working to uh, build a war chest so that when stuff pops up in other states or any state, I should say not other states, in any state that we can do an education com uh, campaign that speaks to the non-hunting public hey this is the realities these are the these are the facts these are the things you have the information now you you know do what you do um we're not going to tell people how to vote or whatever but we want to arm them with the reality with the truth and that's not happening so you you know you talked about wolves colorado uh got 
wolves re well there was already wolves in Colorado. Yeah, but they just reintroduced more. They added more. Okay. So and the reason and we lost by like less than one percent. Now there was people talking then there was I, I mean myself I did a podcast back in twenty twenty on it. Um and there there was people talking about it, there was people involved, but it wasn't at the level that was necessary. Yeah. Or the level that potentially we could do. When we organ and I saw this, Charles and I saw this when we did that that bear change dot org. We had twenty two thousand people sign that petition in five days and donate eighteen thousand dollars. Wow. Five days. Okay. So that to me tells me the the voice, the strength is there. We can be we it can it can happen. So going back to Colorado, they they waited, I guess, until it was on the ballot and then tried to stop it. They had like 17 months of of um, fundraising to produce, you know, commercials and so on and so forth, produce media and to distribute it. And I think – and don't don't quote me on the numbers, but I think they took in like five hundred thousand dollars in seventeen months. Wow. Versus the million dollars per week that the anti hunters have. So we've gotten involved with uh, CRWM. Um, it's a great organization. They are a five hundred one c four, so they can they are the tip of the spear. They can get involved in lobbying. They can get involved in the political stuff um better than how can and we recognize that and that's important so this is that's another problem that happens within the the hunting industry is that people are i say people organizations are afraid to point their member base to another organization for fear that they're going to lose membership or potential funding for their own stuff. And we're trying to change that narrative. We're trying to listen again, back to what I said, we're all in this together. If we don't start fighting, you know, it doesn't matter if you had the best, you know, fighters in the, in the world, if everybody's or the best team, let's, let's put it on. Okay. Football or something like that, where people can understand you have the best football team ever meaning you have the most talented players. But if they're not working together and everybody's doing their own thing. They're not winning. They're not winning, right? You can have a dream team, and if it's not, um, you know, if you're not firing on all cylinders, you're not, you're not going to win. And so it's important for us to start realizing this and, you know, hopefully – we're leading from example, or, you know, by example, and leading from the front, and and doing things this way. Um, Alpha Wildlife needs money. We need money terribly, you know, to do what we do. Um, myself, Charles, everybody that's on the board, uh, all the volunteers that work for us, nobody has been paid a cent since the start of this. Okay, uh, and I bring this up. Only to point out, 
we have been able to uh, raise like, I don't know, $800,000 towards for CRD, CRWM. Um, early on, we, we were able to raise like $70,000 for a bear study in Arkansas for, uh, for uh, blood origins. You know, so we, we're trying to show you that even though, wow, how really could you use that $800,000? It means if I had $800,000 right now, it means the 10 projects that are sitting up on the shelf, I can hire people to start working on those. Sure, sure. But I have to put that aside because I want people to understand and, and, and view things the way that we're looking at it. If we don't get involved together, if we don't start spearheading things together and and collectively bringing our voice to one howl, you know, one voice, one howl, you remember that. Absolutely. <laughs> so if, you, if we don't start doing that, we're not going to win games, you know? Sure, sure. So where can everybody find – you health of wildlife how can we how can we get to you you can go to howl h-o-w-l dot org or howlforwildlife.org it's both they both go to the same place um and we have a number of different memberships for for people to get involved in uh, and we've and we've done things that are outside the box like uh i don't know if are you familiar with go hunt oh uh, yeah so GoHunt is a is a tool that hunters use to to get tags, to do research on their hunts, so on and so forth. And we partnered with them. We partnered with Onyx, um, Elk Calling Academy, few few different other, uh, the American Bear Foundation, the Pope and Young. So American Bear Foundation, Pope and Young. If you wanted to be a member, you can come and get our joint membership. This is again. See, these are these are. These are organizations that understood what we were trying to get at right from the get-go. American Bear Foundation and Pope and Young. They under, they get it. Yeah. So instead of you going to spend $30 and becoming a member or I don't know what the pricing is, to be honest with you. I'm just throwing out arbitrary numbers. Um, to go get one membership, you spend 45 and you get both memberships. And, you know, we're – we're sharing we're sharing that membership with them because we have a collective goal and we're doing the same thing with go hunt and with onyx and you could just have a you can have a, just a straight howl for wildlife membership as well too which is thirty dollars a year okay and we've also looked at it like we want people to be involved so i'm not going to tell you chris you can't be involved if you don't pay my membership We've even offered if we have a free membership on there. Sure. You don't have, sure. The perks, you don't have the things that you can get with it. But you sign up for a free membership, you get the you get the notifications of when stuff is happening and you get involved. You know? Yeah. Nobody else is doing that. Nobody else is doing that. Most people are like, Yeah, hey, you 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 can't help because you don't pay me thirty dollars a year. You know? And yeah. I, that's uh that to me is maybe maybe from a business standpoint for us it's not the smartest idea 
um, because it gives people an out. You know, you know how this stuff works. People feel guilty. They're like, yeah. oh, I'm involved. Okay, I'm going to spend – I'm going to spend the $30 a year to be involved. But now we eliminated the guilt of spending the $30,000 a year. I could still be involved and still do my part. And it doesn't. So from a business standpoint, it's not the greatest thing, but collectively, I think we're going to make the most and affect the most change and do the most good by, by running this model. It, it gains you traction. So. But, okay. All right. We're running out of time. Um, I will, um, have this up today. Oh, awesome. But, uh, thanks again for coming on and, um, go to howforwildlife.org and definitely get involved. Awesome. Thanks again, John.